0: Guys, we are here with Renelle Nelson! Woo-hoo! Again!
1: She was... Is she the only repeat guest you've had, actually? I think so. Yeah. Ooh. Our first repeat guest because your God. first... It
0: was fire.
1: Your first episode was so well-received. People absolutely loved it. And I think you gave a lot of tools and strategies for people who didn't know they needed them. Right. And they were like, oh, damn. Like, yes, exactly. Right. And so... So for people who maybe didn't listen to the first episode, can you give us a little background on who
2: you are, what you do? Okay. So my name is Ronnell E. Nelson. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, In my practice, I specialize in sexual dysfunctions and infidelity. So really, I really like to focus on um, infidelity and finding love after infidelity and dealing with sex after infidelity. Mm -hmm. So I like love after betrayal, Mm dun-dun-dun, you know, some stuff, cause we don't talk about that. We don't talk about, we talk about what's happening, the betrayal, but we don't talk about and then what happened. So I'm that person.
0: Well, right before we turn it on, you said you're looking for the people who wanna stay.
2: Yes. Um, One of my thing is because of my story is I was habitually betrayed. Uh, when it happened to me, it was no one who looked like me or it was no one talking about it. In my circle and around um, the people around me, it was just basically um, survival. It's just something you do, something that happens. Uh, you get over it. Um, you had a crew that say, leave them. Then the one to say, stay. <laughs> so I chose to stay due to my own inner conflict of just wanted to... Um, Growing up with a stepfather, didn't want to grow my son to grow up with a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So stayed in the relationship, tried to keep my family together, um, but the infidelity uh, kept happening because I wanted to stay, but I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Nobody teach you how, mm-hmm. so you think that um, because you're gonna stay, yeah, we make up, sex, we gonna stay, we gonna do this, and then the shit happen again. We don't talk about that because we think we don't want to talk about it no more, right? Yeah. So. We didn't understand how to get back from that. We didn't talk about what was going on. How did the door open? Why did he go out? Mm-hmm. Why did we want to stay? So those are the questions I wanted to ask. So when I eventually left, but then again, shit, the betrayal followed me. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about that. <laughs> what do you mean that it followed you? Yeah, it followed it me because the religion? betrayal, because um, trauma, uh, betrayal, infidelity, I interchanged the two, and I can explain that more. It caused PTSD, Yeah. I mean hypervigilant, triggers and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm. So what we think is where anything, if I leave him, mm-hmm. my life is going to be okay. Yeah. If I leave this situation, I'm going to be so much better. And then I woke up, right? <laughs> so I, I left him and I was still saturated, the residue of betrayal. Um, the meaning of self, the who am I, and scared shitless about stuff. So I just needed to just um, investigate. So I became um, a connoisseur of sort of infidelity and everything betrayal. So that was my pastime because I had to figure it out because mm-hmm. I wanted to be who I needed at that time. Yeah,
0: I got chills when you said that, and I know Jill feels the same when you said it followed you. I didn't understand, and then I'm like. Yeah, getting into a new relationship was so scary. I like wanted to Let me see your phone. Let me, you know, like you have all these things coming up, that came from your past. Yeah. And I'm in a relationship now since I seen you last, and we had some issues at the beginning where it was like. Because um, he
1: was betrayed as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh. Yes.
0: So yeah. there was some things where like we were both kind of mistrusting, and I was like, you have to be able to trust me, like and vice versa. And I go, I don't want to be punished for your ex wife like what she did and i don't want to punish you for what my ex-husband did right and so ironically you just said right before you got licensed in emdr i actually went to a couple emdr sessions so can you talk about that a little bit because i know people had asked me and i did a counseling one
2: so i'm just learning emdr so i just know but the the key thing is that, that shook me and wanted me to do it. And I know some of the EMDR people are going to kill me because I'm going to muff up some of the terms. I'm in training, but I'm really good good at it. <laughs> what what got me is, um, like with talk therapy, we deal with the symptoms. We deal with the symptoms. Um, You come in, you want to deal with the symptoms. Um, EMDR deals with the memories that causes, The symptoms and that blew me away that blew me away because not only and we do uh, techniques and talk and different things to release the memories and to clear the memories. It's some terms, but I'm not going to muffle it up, so I'm going <laughs> to not say them, okay? So I'm going to be true to crap because I do have um, a couple of my friends who are, um, like they say, drunk the Kool-Aid and is in the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to do any misfortune, but I just know that's what got me, and that's what I deal with with all my mm-hmm. clients that been betrayed. It's the memories. Yeah. It's the memories that got them fucked up. It's the memory. And it's just like even a thought. And, you know, even even to the EMDR even help with, if you can't think of an experience, the thought, the taste. Mm -hmm. To go back and just clear that. And then um, juxtapose what would you like to happen. So we are releasing the memories and um, putting over just like a better one. So when it comes, you're not easily triggered, you have your containers, you have your safers, you go to this place that shit, okay, okay, I'm less reactive. I say, yep, that's the training for me. Yeah. So um, I just started in it and um, getting experience, but I'm just at awe. And I hear a lot about it and positive stuff. What about you? How did you feel? After really good.
0: It? I was so confused on how it worked. Like uh-huh. after I did one session, by the end, we were talking about basically the memory of right when that happened, you Mm -hmm. know, and I was talking about it at first with a lot of emotion and I was really choked up. And by the end I was thinking about the memory and I was kind of like neutral. I was like, oh, and then I go, how did that work? How'd you do that? Because it just took off the edge. I mean, I could talk about it now, especially in detail, the way I was talking in detail with really out any
2: emotion. And so that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. So like the
0: memory's there, but it's not triggering and it doesn't feel like you don't feel it inside and what I'll teach
2: you the memory is like a movie and it's just playing
0: yeah
2: right yeah. and you have no reaction to it yeah and that's just like what we need because why do we we don't we access that like why when we've been betrayed why do we
1: like going back to those memories
2: our body is um our body is built up for defense mechanisms our body wants us to remember so we won't do the shit again mm. So that's what happened when your body go into that fight or flight mode. It wants you to know, bitch, don't do that no more. Danger, danger, right? Yes. We have all these alerts, but we don't pay attention to them. So it's meant to help us. But when the overuse, it harms us mm-hmm. and it can stabilize us. Yeah. So that's why we do techniques, incorporate other things to just rest assured and just let your body know and talking to your body. That it's okay. I'm not in trauma. I got this, mm. and EMDR is one of the techniques we can use.
1: Wow, you had mentioned before about the symptoms. What are what are some of the common symptoms that you see in your office? Like when you're talking to either individuals or couples that you're trying to like. You
2: had said before something about like just bitterness and things like that. What are some oh my of goodness, um, I see something. One thing is uh, we talked about with past relationships. You know, I talk about infidelity, betrayal. Infidelity is like a sexual relationship. Betrayal can be small betrayals. It's just like somebody didn't broke a contract to trust. So when we get into a relationship, depending on what time of life we are in, we have been through so many small betrayals that we're full of it, right? So when the infidelity happens, we just go off. Right. Even if it's a small, another small betrayal, I'm not saying infidelity is can be small, but it can sometimes talking to somebody is what you determine. Right. So you just go off. And so when I come in and I talk to my clients, I was like, let's get let's understand this. Are you tired of him or you just tired of it? Period. Mm. Right. Think about when you left a relationship and you go into another relationship and you already counting down shit. One more time. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> let him pick up his phone one more time. <laughs> it don't have nothing to do with him, yeah, right? Yeah. It's because you tired of betrayal. So I see people coming in that just mentally drain. And being hyper vigilant because of infidelity can drain you. You worrying about when you leave, what you got on, how you smell. Who, picking up your phone, where are you going? That is exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of clients that come in that's exhausted, bitter. I have someone, people who come in, this is another failed relationship, so they clump them all together and determine their self-worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of people who come in and they just um, really just um, self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. They just, they don't say it and they hold on to it because without it, they don't know who they would be. So those, those are the people going, like, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. I mean, it being, like I said, I had one on my um, feed. I've been, mean, I'm in a lot of support groups. It been 44 months since D-Day. And I'm still, I'm like, damn. What's D-Day? D-Day as discovery. Oh. So the moment you found out. The moment you found and out. And people
1: are kind of like putting it up on this pedestal. Yes, because. and we're honoring it like anniversaries.
0: Counting 44 months, it's almost four years. I'm like, I'm
1: trying to do math. Do people do it with babies? They're like, They're yeah 24 no, months
0: old. No, they go to like two years, and then they stop counting months. So 44 mm. is ridiculous. Wow. Can you just? <laughs> That's like that. holding a, a vigil for this disaster.
2: Because we don't know how to get mm. it outside okay. of us. It becomes us.
0: I can see that. I'm in a group somebody out of me, it's called the unwed. And um, it's a pretty decent support group, but there are some of those people that are just like super bitter. And they're like, tell me it gets better. I can't meet anyone. All these men are terrible. And I'm like, maybe you're not over whatever happened mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know for me, I didn't want to stay bitter. But it was an effort and a process. So how do you help people get through the bitterness and like get out of
2: that spiral of like counting down and defining their life? We first got to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. We first got to acknowledge it. Um, first, we have to acknowledge it and then own it and then release it. We have to have, like, really sometimes I do release parties where we writing it down, we burning it. Uh, whatever spiritual sense you need to release it, we need to release it because, like, I can be the best uh, therapist. I think I am. You know, mm-hmm. about it. But if you don't have space for me, if you're so full of this, a lot of people, we hear a lot of stuff talking about healing, but people are just getting a misconception of healing. A lot of people saying healing don't know what they're healing because they haven't acknowledged it. They acknowledge I'm the infidelity, but what part of the infidelity? What did the affair mean to them but say to you? Mm-hmm. What did it say to you when you felt that? Where did you feel it at? You know, did it bring back memories? Did it bring back a feeling? That's the shit we need to do. That's the shit we need to do because we got to figure out why, what attached to you. And if it didn't, that's good because you did all you could. And, they, you know, cheating is a choice. So when you can remove yourself from that, you on your way. But when it really stir up something and you can't get past that, that's when we have to go in and say, let's work on you. So me before we. We gotta work on you before we think about y'all.
1: Sometimes <laughs> yeah. do you feel like some of your clients maybe are unwilling to, to like move past that because they feel like it's a betrayal of themselves almost like it's like if I if I start overcoming this feeling of like being a victim of this thing, then I'm almost betraying myself, or like I'm condoning yeah. the behavior.
2: Yeah, because then we have to, then we have to go to the point. We got to go to this this space that um, you open to understanding. Because I have to um, create a safe environment for you, for you to feel safe. Because I have to get this space available. And one of the spaces is that you cannot hold somebody's personal faults and deficit and make them your own. Mm. You have to let people hold their own shit. So I said, why do you keep holding a knife that's hurting you? Mm. You have to let it go to heal. Why do you can't? You want forgiveness, but you don't forgive yourself. Mm. So we talk a lot about about self-forgiveness, and then the shit gets so deep because we got to see other ways you didn't forgive yourself. Sometimes betrayal is the door to a lot of other stuff. Remember, we're just two individuals coming together with our own stuff, but sometimes our demons dance good to each other. So we bond on trauma, mm. right? Yep. It's that we think it's love, but it's that trauma bond. So when we both connect and something go wrong, we both go into our little corners and soak because we got so much unhealed stuff. And sometimes we project that onto our partners, right? Okay. So when you are counseling people,
0: do you usually do one person? Or are you doing the couples together? Or how do you, because you said me before we, said so do you prefer to
2: see people separate before you see them together? Well, um, I had read a lot about, because I asked the client, some people don't want you to separate them, and some people want to see um, one-on-one. I asked the preference, but my preference is to basically, I really like to see people um, separate. So in um, the first session, do 30 minutes um for each person because I got to see where you at mm-hmm. I got to see if we're on the same page and I also have to talk to the infidel to see if the fair is over right
0: which they might not admit in front of the. they
2: might not admit mm-hmm. and then you know I had a no secrets policy you know and I just probably just say you know what you guys not ready why don't we come back because I only work with committed couples Right. So when my coaching, I only work with committed couples and, you know, when you go, that's the coaching aspect. Therapy is figuring it out. But coaching, this is what we want. Therapy, we're going to figure everything out. But when you commit, you go into the whole coaching realm because you ready. Yeah. So I like to do that because also I like to hear both for the size of the story because we always blame. And I know this going to mess with a lot of people, but I got to keep it real. We always blame the infidel. Right. The infidel sometimes doesn't have communication skills or conflict resolution skills. But sometimes the infidel, I know, is not the bad person. I know they're going to come. For <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready because we hear that. We hear this person going out. Yeah, they shouldn't have went out. They don't have good communication skills. Yeah, they conflict resolution. But then we talk about how is the realistic things about the relationship right they admit that they're wrong they admit that and want to work on it so that's what I need to hear because we always jump on the infidel but sometimes not always but sometimes they have a different story that they need to tell and they need healing too they need healing
1: too right obviously why do you think that like I mean if you talk about the actual affair it's just like it's it's sex right but like why is that so much worse than maybe a betrayal by the person who wasn't cheated on right like you know in my example my ex-husband felt betrayed by me but it wasn't because i had sex with someone else it was because of a work thing that happened between us Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so why is like
2: sex the thing that feels like the most betraying it's an intimate act it's an intimate act and i thought uh, it's into me you see you've been in me you know me for you to take all that and give it to somebody else i feel betrayed. And sometimes sex is not the lead to betrayal. Sometimes people, they okay with the sex. It's because you were intimate and you love them. You got emotions for them. So we know affairs are not cookie cutter. So some may be sex and some may be emotion. And men don't always want sex, contrary to belief. You know, sometimes they just want to be heard. You know, so I interchange infidel with men. I don't have any role biases because I, I see them both. both. I see them both. But sex is like an intimate act, and you know, in our culture, that's the ultimate act for a few in monogamous relationships. Some, it's just sex. But it's the point of that betrayal. And then what did that mean to me? That mean that I wasn't giving it to you enough? Or I mean, you know, what does that mean for us? What did I do? And that's where we get it cleared up. You bring up a good point. We have to talk about the affair, Like a lot of other therapists, we talk about the relationships. I talk about the affair. We have to talk about the affair. We have to see what the affair is about. We have to go head on. And I'm not talking about, um, I don't talk about positions. Nothing sexual because this is not what we want to talk about. What we want to talk about is how did it happen? How did our relationship open a door for infidelity? What were we doing? And I'm not and it's not a blame game. Let's take a time back. Can you remember A, B, and C? Let's take that and let's see how the relationship got open to allow betrayal to come in. That's what I'm to focus on. And I let the hurt party know, knowing how many times they had sex, restaurants, positioning is not going to help you heal. It's not going to help you heal. Matter of fact, at a time, and I make sure the um, storm is quiet, nothing they're going to say going to make you feel better. Sure. So to keep keep self-betraying and causing self-trauma to say, why, why, why? <laughs> It's not going to assist you, Mm -hmm. especially that why is not going to make you feel better and you're not open to understand. So that's why you got to come down because our body's going to shock. It's a natural defense mechanism. So I like to work with you when the storm is quiet and the shock has released. So then I can see you, you raw and everything. We're going to take care of you, but we have to do it. So interesting, um, and I love that you said that because I think like you, met, there's
1: like, no like that be, at the beginning. There's no way you could ever see it objectively. Like I think even you saying, like even maybe giving credence to the fact that the infidel wasn't always in the wrong mm-hmm. is like people just. I mean, it's shocking, right? Because it's so cultural. <laughs> know. You know, it's like it's like oh, wait, how could you even? But I mean, I think Danny and I are both there. Even though like we don't really respect the acts, we both can see. I can understand infidelity way more now than I ever could before it had happened. I'd be like, what? Like That's just not even comprehensible to me. And we've seen a lot of people obviously coming out of the woodwork and talking to us about it, but one thing I wanted to ask you, and I I want to do a separate episode on this, but I'd be interested in your take, this concept of micro-cheating, which is like not exactly like penis and vagina, it's more like texting or DM on Instagram or um, liking photos or leaving fire emojis under someone's photo like stuff like that have you gotten like are people doing more like that kind of stuff and this is like a great yeah. area right i
2: mean it's it's a great area and that's one thing that um i like people to come to me but sometimes i like to work with people before right mm-hmm. i want less reactive more proactive because these are the rela- these are the conversations we're not starting. If you follow me on Instagram, I have a segment conversation starters. We need to talk about what betrayal means to you. We need to talk about temptation. Just, love does not stop temptation and attraction. We need to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> we want to talk about nobody it. Nobody wants to talk about that. And <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. And if we are attracted, how can if we really safe and we really cool, how can we get together and be like you know what? She was attractive, um, you know, I did approach her, but it stopped there. I got up, I didn't get an exchange number or anything. Because we have to know betrayal, infidelity, hides in darkness. If you don't talk about this shit, this is what's going to make it happen. Not saying the word. Yeah. Not talking about it is going to make it happen. And talking about it regularly. You know, I'm not saying every day, time to talk about infidelity. You no, know, I'm just saying, just make that a point, because shit happens. I think right.
0: people are oh maybe you could attest to this or not but I feel like maybe people are scared to talk about it like if they talk about it then it's they we'll catch it yeah or like it's somehow it, it if Admitting you don't talk about that you it, it don't doesn't a perfect happen relationship.
2: yeah mm-hmm. that's just like the whole sex education thing if you give kids <laughs> yes. condoms they're going to have sex Yeah. Right. you know it's just like that and it's just what it's just what you open to do no one is immune to infidelity and no one's immune to betrayal it's that what you have to get the shots, mm-hmm. you got to get them boosters, right, baby? You got to get <laughs> them booster shots. We get annuals. Our relationships need annual checkups. Mm-hmm. I even have checkups. Oh, we doing good. Well, let's do a checkup then. Let's make sure we're on the right page. Because what happened? Assumptions, miscommunications yep. leads to misunderstanding. Dang. I'm looking for our questions. I... <laughs> One of the
0: things that you said in our episode last time was you said the thing that can uh, hurt a relationship more than a third party mm-hmm. is judgments, assumptions, and resentments. Mm-hmm. And so my boyfriend and I turned that into a acronym. Yeah, acronym. So we made it JAR. So we're like, if your jar is, like, full, you need to empty out the jar. Okay. So we've... I think it is really, really powerful because I realized like the assumptions are really big Ooh, and resentments are really big. And so there's constant conversation there. And so I can you just kind of talk a little bit more about that again, just like the judgments, assumptions and resentment. And how- because
2: I say uh, assumptions, judgment and resentment are the three things that can break up a relationship quicker than a person can mm-hmm. because it's internal. Assumption is always assuming something. Judgment is judging them before it even happened. Resentment is dealing with shit you just keep putting away.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Yes. All of this is internal. And all of this is projected. And all of this will fill us up. So you think about that. That's not even going outside the relationship. That's going in and checking out. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's checking out. When you full with all that shit, you check out. Yeah. So what's worse? I'm not saying the greater of the evils, but when we think about it, you know, if I have assumption, I'm always assuming, you know, a lot of us, if we think about how many of us, men and women, act on assumptions, you know, I sit there in my sessions, and I had this one couple, and it was just like, um, when you call me and you ask me how I'm doing, it makes me do this, I think you're doing it. she went for like 15 minutes, and we just looking at her. (laughs) And I said, well, he's saying he's sitting right there. Why don't you just ask him? And he just said, no, I don't. Bam! Cleared the whole thing up. Now, here she got this whole scenario in her head. Yeah. And that's how sometimes when people come in about affairs, we think affairs are glamorous. We think they went to the Hilton. We think they had a four-course meal. We think the sex was good, orgasms and everything. And we got this whole thing that play in our head, right? Yeah. But when we talk about it and we um we brave enough to talk about it, it, it they might say, no, we just had coffee. You know, it was heavy petting, you know, stuff like that. I just needed somebody to listen to me. Boom. You know, we so busy, we act on assumptions yeah. and let that fuel us and motivate us. Yeah. So being less reactive is a lot of uh, what I teach my clients a lot. It's
1: so interesting. I love that you said that because I, I just found myself as an example today. Obviously, I'm out of town. We're here in Phoenix, and um, I live with my boyfriend now, and he just texted me this morning. He goes, what time are you getting in tomorrow? And my immediate, like, old infidelity brain was like, why do you need to know when I'm getting in? Like, what are you planning to be done with by the time? Like, obviously, that's so, like, it's just not even, he's never given me any indication Mm. of anything. But that was my first response. And I was just like, okay, Jill, like that's your old narrative, like projecting, like he just wants to know because maybe I wants to pick you up at the airport or like just for like regular scheduling sake. But I find myself like checking myself on all that stuff all the time.
2: The good thing is that you are, um, we create our thoughts and we can challenge our thoughts. That is a positive, healthy thing to challenge your thoughts and not be reacted to it. Really get into the emotion and see what that emotion is that's projecting that feeling and feelings are not facts. So being able to challenge that that is a skill. That is part of healing. And as we say, we say um, healing is not linear because we want to know it's going to go open up and down, up and down. And sometimes before you project, check in with yourself. We don't do that. We think of something we already attacking and then we feel stupid <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's like it was all on us. But I like you have to check in with yourself. But you have to be in a space to check in with yourself when you think you're right and you can do no wrong mm. and everybody else is wrong. Just like I just I love the thing, it's just like, um, I'm just tired of messing with fuckboys. I'm just tired of everybody cheating on me, tired of this like this, and then for somebody to say no, that's who you keep choosing. Mm. That's who you keep choosing. Yeah. And then is it make you part of it? Just like in the affair story, and in the infidelity, when I say, for you to be able to um, heal, we have to understand your partner. What? Yes. You have to be open to understanding. I play a role? Yes. And we're going to even see what your role look like. They hate that. They hate it. But shit, if you want to heal, this is what you're going to do. Damn,
1: it's so good because I think we just like being the victim. Oh,
2: we get get sponsorships, (laughs) we get curses, we get a a colored shirt, we get everything for being victims, right? So we see society plays a big role Mm -hmm. in the culture of infidelity and betrayal. Look at the mistress show. Look at the Netflix. I was scrolling through there, the affair. Because of my search, um, books come up and always um, heard what he won't do, he will. I was so amazed at all the stuff that's built and glamorized, betrayal infidelity. Society does not support it. And that comes from my famous person I follow, Shirley Glass, the monogamy myth. You know, we got the monogamy myth that we feel, but we have to look, um, and we say that monogamy is, and betrayal is bigger than us. We have to look at the society, our family, and our friends, right? But see, we don't want to talk about that because that's going to step on a lot of people's toes, right? (laughs) Well, before we start recording,
0: (laughs) you mentioned about culturally, too. And do you feel like certain cultures and groups of people feel like... um, Affairs are more normal and just like look the other way and people go on with their lives.
2: Yeah, because if we think about it Like, um, you know, we talk about the sanctuary learning from at start Perel. you know We learn about the what marriage used to mean. Yeah, it's just business right and then not until what well, she said a couple of centuries ago We started loving each other, right? It was just a business and then sometimes, you know, it was stability, you know, we saw, what was that, Mad Men show? Yes. It was just like a whole show about that women were stay at home and men at the office, this is what they did. This is what the secretary's for. It's more accepted. Did nobody think about infidelity and divorce. We had to keep the family together. And it projects on to now. It projects on to now what we think and how society upholds in a different cultural thing. And cultural meaning a whole, and cultural even meaning your interpersonal culture to me how it do everybody do all your friends cheat right right and do um is it's is just long cheating in your relationship did you learn how to cheat from the men in your family did you learn how to stay and take it from the women in your family that's the stuff we had to look at our generation to see how it's passed down so when i say it's bigger than us i mean it's bigger than us but until you open that space to understand you're not going fully heal.
1: That's so interesting because I think it's so hard to even talk about the person who did the cheating. You know what I mean? Like even if you talk about their experience and like even it like can, it feels like it's condoning the act. Mm-hmm. It's like we can't even consider them because they're, they're like they should be the doghouse. Mm-hmm. And so how do you have that conversation in your office where you have maybe one person I don't know if it's the the man or the woman coming in and feeling so self-righteous and feeling so hurt. And like how do you navigate that when like you want to talk to the other person about their experience
2: despite all you got to knock them off that pedestal (laughs) I do how do you do that just say despite all you're here yeah Yeah. shit that's reality (laughs) reality you're here no no matter your income your status how many meetings you go to how many boys you are you're here so let's put all that shit Outside the door and let's get you raw so we can work on it. You can pick it all up when you leave, but right here we, You don't need it. I need you and I need you to be open to understand And that's how you have to come because we come in there with that facade Like how this how this how it can happen with why not you? You that's know true. and could I could I challenge you and even ask you um, When you taking that self-righteous thing did you ever check in with your mate to see if they was on the same page, or you were so consumed with yourself, you didn't even see the need. So many people, because we live in a land of scarcity, we all got these ideas and society um idolized marriage and everything mm-hmm. that once we get married, we check it off our list. Done. And then you stop having the
1: conversation. We don't,
2: no, we don't. We check it off our list. We don't know that once you get married, you you gotta keep the effort. <laughs> yeah. You see so many people engaged, oh my God. We got videos. We got I even seen like they open up the, the ring and they got a damn light on it. You know, we see these stage productions and then and then they go black. Yeah. Right? Right. You don't see no follow-up. Where are they now? Right? <laughs> we don't see that. So because they got the ring. Yeah. Right? And then you might see another post, here comes the baby. And then nothing. Nobody let you know that all oh, that shit takes time and effort. A relationship is a job. Marriage is a job. You got to put effort into this. You have a career, but now you're married. That's a dual work situation. But nobody wants to talk about that.
0: Do you think it's okay if one person is making way more effort than the other? Like, I've heard women say, well, I want to make it work, but he doesn't. and. And I or I'm think, reading the books, or yeah. So like, do you think that at some point they have to pull their own weight, or do you think they will, or should the person go well? Since he's not, I'm not.
2: Like how does that that's a good question I realistically have to say you have to realistically look at the history of that person mm-hmm. that patterns of that person a lot of times uh, we deal with um, different our partners and are not are in the same caliber of us they don't read the books they're not on the blocks and they're doing this. so you just fool with this oprah type shit and they don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah you coming with this language and it's not that they're not doing it they don't understand where you're coming from. Especially, I find in my relationship sometimes we have to say, "I'm not your client," mm-hmm. right? So sometimes you coming in, you pouncing on these books, and let's do this, and they're like, "What the f- is you talking about?" <laughs> right? right? So you have to get on the same page. Sometimes they're not into letter writing, they're not into expressing their emotion, but you know your person. Don't fall aside of who your person is. Don't let us or nobody else tell you what you should do. You know your reality. You have to meet your person where they are. Maybe they are, and here comes this love language shit. You got to understand them and understand their love language and understand their capabilities. And if you don't, hello, what does that say about the relationship anyway? You putting all this stuff and it's not working because of why? It never worked. So shouldn't we dig more in the relationship? Because I bet you did a lot of shit never worked.
0: I'm just nodding my head no I like know it's
2: so good um <laughs> one of the things that
1: I love that you said that one of the things you always talk about is communication yeah like you're just like everything can be communicated like people aren't talking mm-hmm. and so you're advocating for that I want to ask you is there a point at which you do too much talking and it's like not sexy anymore like is there a level at which like now we're just processing everything like I'm interested in this because I'm dating someone right now who doesn't always have like the he's not the most communicative That's just not, he's like a hyper masculine, just like wants to play sports and like all that kind of stuff. So, he didn't have the skills. Mm -hmm. So, I don't like what is the how do you know if you're not communicating enough? Because that's the thing is like we want to prevent this stuff, but it's easy to be all good when everything's all good. Like, oh, we're just skating along. Like, how do you know how much
2: communication to have? Is there
1: can you have too much?
2: I don't think you can ever have too much communication. Communication. Um, that's what a relationship is relationships are made of small intimate conversations. Like I just said I mean, if you don't have this conversation you have a situation mm-hmm. Right, so that's again knowing your partner and meeting them where they at and sometimes having Big conversations at the beginning having those monthly yearly state of the unions Um, meeting where we at so we can get the big shit done and then little conversations to maintain it like okay when we first start dating like to talk you don't how can we figure out how can we better connect make note of that and just follow through with that so you don't have to ask them every day we're not talking we're not talking we're not talking because sometimes they're not the talk and then so that's another thing um, you don't want to interpret so you say I don't want to interpret the wrong thing so let me know when you don't talk what this mean when he don't talk with it sometimes that's just one big conversation two big conversations not a lot of conversations so really just meeting them where they at, understanding sometimes you set unrealistic goals so you don't watch these shows and read these damn books, but you know what kind of person you have. Again, you have to understand your person. And sometimes you, um, again, project on from the past. Mm-hmm. My last person didn't talk. Now you're not talking, so what does this mean? You picked them. You knew all this when you picked him. You knew he's not a good communicator. You knew this, but you want a relationship with him. Now you want to complain about it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's the thing, that's the whole thing about working together. And then if um, people say, well, he's not a good communicator, I say, so why are you in a relationship with him? Right? Is this going to be. A long-term problem or you think you can fix him right right so this is what we got to understand because some people go into relationships for the wrong thing but that's a different podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is that's so good we um did an episode it was like maybe a few months ago on clear communication and so what if you are with someone who isn't really a great communicator this is a skill right Mm -hmm. to be even to able to know what your feeling is how do you get your partner who's maybe not super comfortable maybe they don't like the they take it as confrontation or whatever how do you get them to start being able to communicate i will
2: have one good i did this i have one good conversation about um the triggers you know are you healing for some what are your trigger words like um i found out like whatever is his trigger word you know it's one good conversation to just say that it's good conversations conversation with a purpose right Sometimes everybody not ready for them of conversations and you don't even know where the hell you want to go with it. Understanding why you want to conversate. Yeah. Committing to a purpose of everything so we can have resolution. We know like anything, it's hard work at the beginning, but at the end it'd be so smooth. But we still got to check in because people change, right? So this is what we have to do and just understanding um, the communication patterns, talking about and say, okay, I know you don't talk and say, but tell me how can I how can I love you? Mm, so teach good. me how to love you, teach me how to support you. What do you need? And then be open to listening to that, and don't think that you going um no I'm, I'm gonna do it like this. You know, I'm gonna show him a better way. Right, you know, because right. then it's not gonna work, and it's you gonna feel like you putting in more effort. But you know, people have a different way of sharing love. I had the one thing that's um this favorite thing It's like you good. You good can mean so many things for a nonverbal verbal I Mean You done with that bullshit? Can we move on? Can we have sex? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to see what you good mean. Yeah. You be like, you not talking to me, and they just be like, you good? Or, man, do you want something to eat or not? That's like a whole big thing. That mean, like, I'm not on that shit anymore. They might not say what you need them to say, but they're communicating in their way mm-hmm. that they are ready to move on. Right. So we have to understand that. Clarifying. And if you want to be with that partner, you're going to have to know that you can, you're not them. You're not dating you. Yeah. They're not going to talk like you and accept them for where they are.
0: I think that's a big piece. Right. Like Claire asking, clarifying, like, what do you mean by that? I mm-hmm. think we we feel like we know what somebody is saying and what they're saying and what they mean can be two different things. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. And it's clever and then when we talk about communication, effective communication is listening to the um, listening and like really saying, oh, let me get this right. Is this what you mean? And people say that's tedious, but I said that should have saved you a lifetime of just mad, being mad and miscommunication. I'd rather irritate you to get it right than uh, you not gonna wanna have sex with me tonight.
0: (laughs) Well speaking of sex, we got some questions here and so I think this will be a good segue because I think sex getting better sex you have to communicate and I think could be really scary to ask. So somebody said sex is better when my husband is drunk. How can I make it like (laughs) that all the time? That's amazing. (laughs) So somebody obviously they lower their inhibitions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Lower inhibitions and she's like, How can he be like that when he's sober? Mm -hmm.
2: Understand see what the key points are. And then when he's not drunk, see if he can be willing to initiate that. Then think about some of his arousal pattern. Um, alcohol might do something to him that um, and make him feel a certain way that being sober may not. He might not, people sometimes do have a little bit of pain or um, performance anxiety or something. See what the alcohol does to him and talk about it um, when he's not. And see, and just play with a little bit. Uh, Note all the things that you like about it. And then when he's not, try to incorporate it when he um, is not um, intoxicated and see how does it feel and how does he handle that. And having a conversation with him. Uh, about that because we don't know people's past and we don't know where, what's going on. It could be traumatizing. He had to drink to deal with it. Not to say she is, right, but yeah. we don't know what's all in there. And that's when it comes to um, intimacy starts outside the bedroom, more understanding. So I think it's deeper than yeah. that. I'm a therapist. I so would I think never I'm, thought
0: like that would have been a different answer. So I really love that.
2: <laughs> You're talk, you talking to a therapist, sex yeah. therapist, everybody. So I go deep. Being drunk, because I have some women who have to be intoxicated to have sex, sure. they want to blank out they disconnecting or they they um changing it to another part of them that they can't let out and uh, alcohol brings it out of them wow. right and some I know people drink because it numbs pain and they having sexual pain so yeah it's so interesting
0: <laughs> another um a girl said do you have tips to be more confident in bed Besides
2: alcohol. Tends to be more confident in bed and be more self-confident. You're going to get tired of me saying this, but intimacy starts outside the bedroom. Communicating with your partner their wants, needs, and desires. Understanding your wants, needs, and desires. Masturbation is confident because I know all my parts. Know your body so you can share it with your partner. That self-confidence is going to take you a long way. Don't depend on your partner for pleasure.
0: Self-confidence is good, though. Like We talk a lot about body image and, and those kind of things, and I think that some women are not very self-confident about their bodies, and therefore in the bedroom they're not as confident. So if you're working on that stuff, that may lead into
2: and let your partner know you're not confident because that reluctance can come out as avoidance so you know no no see my breath no no and then and then understand when they say they like it believe them Mm. don't say no you don't no you don't it takes the shit out of it just relax (laughs) you know they're with you they know you they've been with you had sex with you all the time just relax and get out of your own head and connect with your body. And that's why I'm saying knowing self-pleasure, knowing despite body image, your hair, you didn't shave, you didn't do anything, you deserve pleasure. Mm. Get out your head, get in your body and connect with to pleasure. I love that because I think I was trying to think because I've never really been like self,
1: super self-conscious in the bedroom. Like my light's on, whatever, doesn't matter. But I think it's because I'm just—I just always prioritize getting off <laughs> over like anything else. I don't
2: know. Like, I don't know. You deserve pleasure, despite all. Pleasure is your birthright. So don't let your um, shit be their shit. They want you. They love you. Have sex, I love that so. you said believe them. Because I think especially we don't. Women. I love your roles. No, you don't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Then he'd be like, fuck it, I don't, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> so then they're like, all okay, right, it's over.
0: <laughs> How would you, so when you work with couples and they are going to be physically intimate again, is there some way you walk them through, like, I feel like the person who's betrayed may have, like, things that come up or the memories mm-hmm. and they just feel like they can't let go anymore, like they want to, like, I don't want to leave, I want to make this marriage work, but as soon as we're about to have sex, I can't do it.
2: Right, so what we talk about is uh, we put sex off. Mm. We put the inter, let me get this right, we put intercourse off. Mm-hmm. Sex is a lot of different things. We talk first about building trust and creating safety. You got to feel safe again. You got to feel trust. You talk to your partner. Um, know what you need so you can communicate with your partner. You know, um, when I get triggered, I just need you to hold me. When I need this, I, when this happened, I need you to do. communicate with your partner because right now, remember, this is we, we reconnect and when you reconnect and you turn it up, right? You turn it up a notch. This is brand new. Teach them and share with them what you need doing that because I know they caused it, but sometimes they don't know how to heal it. Yeah. And it comes with touch. And again, intimacy starts outside the bedroom, intimate conversations, dating, touch, touching, holding hands first, asking permission. Asking permission, you've been through trauma, somebody touched your knee, oh shit, you know, you don't know they come because you don't like them. You know, so right. you touching me now, so you'd be like, it's okay. And it'd be like, okay, you asking me now, can I touch you here? Can I take you out? Would you like to do this? More, let me feel power. Let me get me in a powerful mood. Lead to different things and just um, starting off slow, maybe a massage, and then really discussing sex before the act contrary is some people have good sex after mm. affairs, yeah. great sex after affairs, yeah. so um, I'm not telling everybody to go out and have an affair, but sometimes the somebody else want you, um, the disbelief that I let this happen to me, sometimes um, affairs uh, reignite um, spark to marriages mm-hmm. and they have lots and sex and everything. I'm not saying how long it lasts because you show in that intense moment but
0: um it happens what do you say to the infidel who is looking at their partner and saying like i'm sorry just get over like they want the person to get over it quickly because they're over it and they want to fix it and they're like i messed up i want to fix it and the person who got hurt needs time how do you get that infidel to like calm down and have them understand that there needs to be time? Like, because i feel like or maybe you don't see that, but I feel like oh, that's I see it a lot. That. I see it a
2: lot because that's why the infidel needs nurturing and healing in the space too. Because we have to let them understand first to identify that they um, really identify, acknowledge that they really hurt their partner and, and, and shook the shit out of them, fucked their core up, and this gone be a long ride. And if they not in it for the long ride, to say that and to get out because this is a that's just constant betrayal. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say you're gonna do something, and not be there for me and be cocky and shit. Don't just say, you know what, I did it. Some people have exit affairs, right? I did it, I run just not for me, and we just gotta learn to uncouple. I see that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Some people who don't even wanna work it out, they got caught, okay, you wanna stay together, okay, for the kids, whatever. You know, something like that, but then I had to ask the person, the, um, The other partner, is that what they want? What do they really want and need? And why do they want to reconnect? So I deal with a lot of infidels who have like that, but the ones who really, really want to work it out, they go through the steps. The step is understanding and supporting, and know it's going to take time. Huge. Uh,
0: Well, how do people work with you? And who do you want to work with the most? And how do people follow you, connect with you, learn all the things, and read your... I love your
2: little um, communication prompt things. I really okay. Like yeah. On, on IG. Okay. So, um, Facebook. My if you're in um, Arizona, my practice is Kaleidoscope Services. Online, I'm Noir Sex th- Therapist. No E in Sex. Um, you can follow me there. And my Instagram, is represent me. I represent the love and sex and chaos in relationships. So my shit is not pretty. My shit, and they were like, what you talking about now? I'm talking about some shit to help you just understand it. <laughs> because people are at different stuffs. because, you know, everybody got these themes and stuff. I don't because that's me and that's what I deal with. I deal with you when you want to be loved, stay in love. I talk about sex and I deal with that chaos. So that's what I do, and that's what I represent on there. And so that's uh, at Noir Sex Therapist. And then if you're dealing with affairs and committed couples, committed couples who want to stay together, um, I have affair aftercare. Affair aftercare, I did. And I just opened up my um, Renelle Nelson coaching and consultation, and that is for me to assist women um, who want to find themselves. It's a coaching program for women who want to find themselves after betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting them what they need because they we really just zooming in on finding you because we can't do that really in um couples, really finding you It's coaching because I want to be accessible to everybody's really what do you need to deal with and really how can we reach your goal? Better orgasms. Um, open to love so really precise thing no therapy just really precise goals on how to get there
0: so do you work with people not locally all over the?
2: yeah I work with people global I'm located in Arizona and Wisconsin but that's why I went more of the coaching because I can't do therapy yep. outside mm-hmm. these lines so I went more coaching so I opened up a whole new thing for coaching and consultation yeah Gosh, you know we have a lot of people in our audience who really would need something like that I know like
1: Danny and I probably would have uh, three years ago especially because you just... Where were
0: you three years ago? You just don't know <laughs> yourself.
1: <laughs> you know you yet. <laughs> you just don't know yourself outside of the relationship. And, like, I mean, I was just... I was dating a whole bunch of fuckboys because I didn't feel worthy, right? You don't... The trauma that it affects, it reverberates,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like, into all different places. So if you are... If you're fucking with fuckboys, you need to. <laughs> if
0: you're fucking with fuckboys, and, and you
1: keep choosing them, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you
0: keep
2: choosing them. You're choosing right.
0: fuckboys. If you're bitter, if you're counting forty-four months after D-Day, you better call, get on Rennell's <laughs> list right <Modern> now. Honor books. <laughs>
1: yes, for sure.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thank out. The, you. you. guys, we're in Phoenix actually. Rennell, we're all sitting in the same room together. We met Rennell in person in March, and we just we're so grateful that we get to see you again. So yes. appreciate Thank it you so much Thank
2: for sharing. You. Oh.